0: This is Emmanuel today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we continue in our meme series with Bless em. What comes out of your phone can be as powerful as any word you speak, bringing honor or dishonor. Let's join Dr. Rouge right now. We are on week number two of the What Do You Meme series. We've been looking at this idea. How can we become honorable in a dishonorable world? I mean, you know, there's a lot of dishonor in our culture. And how can we become honorable? So we're using the metaphor of a meme, which uh, if you have social media, which most people do in one form or another, a meme is simply a picture with a caption that goes over it. You could put whatever caption you want over any moment. So you could take a picture of just about anything and put a caption on it and it twist its meaning towards something. A meme has to do with communication and what we do to communicate to the world. Well, that communication is what we're talking about today that speech aspect of honor. To honor is to esteem, to recognize, to value, or to dignify. And of course, Pastor Andrew talked about the value of honoring other people because people have the image of God on them. It's called the Imago Dei. It's the image of God. We were each created in the image of God. And so when We run into any individual, any person, the person next to you, you are seeing the image of God, or you were made in the image at least. And so uh, because we are God's creation, we are called to create, to treat God's creation with great honor and respect, to honor, to show favor to them. And by the way, when we learn to honor, what happens is we attract the favor of God on our lives. And so the favor of God comes, it's a, it's a principle that's really important for the church to have, for individuals and families to have, and I think it's important for us. So today's title, part two, is this, Bless them. Everybody said bless them. Bless them is the title of my message. And to get started, I want to take you back to some people in my life that have spoken words that have impacted me in a great way uh, over time. When I was in middle school, I was in the very awkward season of life. And uh, how many of you remember middle school? Perhaps we have some middle schoolers that are here. You understand, I'm keeping it real. My body was changing. I had pimples on my face. I was awkward. I didn't know, I was just, I didn't know if I fit into groups of people. And I remember clothes fit me different and we didn't have a lot of money so I didn't wear all the coolest clothes. And so I felt like I was different than other people. And how many know middle schoolers can be some of the meanest people on the planet sometimes? when they point out the differences between you and everybody else, and then we over-exaggerate during that season of life, where we think one person said something about us, so everybody must think that about us, and so I was in that season of life, and I remember I went to church, and at our church there was a, an electrician who led our junior high middle school ministry, and uh, I went to church, and I was very awkward feeling. I didn't even want to be at church. Why do you make me come to church mom and dad kind of mode, and, I'm feeling awkward, feeling very insecure, and I remember going to church, and one day it says to me, hey, Nate, I like you. You want to go fishing? Now, I've never really fished before that, really haven't much since, (laughs) but the fact was is that Scott showed an interest in me. I was valuable enough for him to uh, take his work week and go take me fishing, and so we went out fishing that week, and I can still remember getting in his van, and it's got all the, his tools and equipment in this van. I remember driving through the drive through at Burger King, and he bought me a hamburger. I mean, I can remember this all these decades later, and I remember just spending some time with him. Now, Scott showed interest in me, value. He showed me value, and uh, he, he saw that I was valuable enough to him to give up his time, and because he did, it wasn't just the words that he spoke, although he spoke positive things, into me, but it had a dramatic impact on me. It was as if he was pouring confidence in me. It was as if you was saying you are valuable, that there's somebody that believes in you. And I don't know about you, but there are different seasons of life that those kind of moments really affect the trajectory of the rest of your life, the decisions that you make. If you feel valuable, then you, you, you secure yourself. But if, if you're not feeling valuable, you chase it. And some people chase it by chasing uh, relationships or chasing uh, affirmation from people for uh, uh, doing things that maybe they wouldn't do otherwise. And, and so Scott made a big impact on my life during that time. Now I remember junior and senior year of high school, I remember I, I kind of backslid. I was not close to Jesus. My heart was hard towards God. I still had to go to church because my parents made me. But I was, I was not in a good place. My heart was hard and then I made some stupid decisions and uh, did some things that would be considered sin and they definitely were not allowed in the Roosh household. And I remember driving home one day, really late, having done something my dad said that I couldn't do and I pull up in the driveway and uh, we lived in an old farmhouse and as I pulled up the driveway, there I could see the kitchen table and my dad was there, the light was over him, he had a Bible open and I pulled into the driveway. And I'm like, oh no! And so I walk in, and he goes, "Let's sit, sit down, Nate." So I sit down, and he says, uh, "He said I smell sin." <laughs> this is no lie. My my dad said. Y-. And he proceeded to tell me what I had done that night, what movie I had gone. This is pre-GPS. There was no tracker. He couldn't known where I was. Nothing. And he told me what I had done wrong, and I was just mortified. I was mad. I mean, you know, when you're getting accused and the finger's pointing at you, you're mad at the parents sometimes. I was kind of mad at him. I was mad at myself. And then something happened. I kind of settled in, and he said this to me. He said, Nate, you, are, you need to know this. I love you. I'm disappointed in your performance, but I believe in you. And you've got a future ahead of you. And there was something about what my dad did in that moment where he treated me. Listen, I still got discipline. But what he did is he showed me that I was valuable while he disciplined me. Some of us haven't gone through that experience where when you messed up, all you got was a beating and told that you were worthless and told that you couldn't make it, that you destroyed your future. For me, my dad had poured confidence and grace into me that has paid off in the long run. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he didn't declare me to be a bad kid. He identified my behavior as being something that was unacceptable, but he loved who I was. Then a third uh, person that uh, had an impact on me that I was thinking of recently is when I came to Emmanuel uh, back in 1991, uh, very next year I did my internship in 1992 and uh, I was in the youth department, and I was doing an internship, and we had Sunday school back in those days, and, and they had a high school and college Sunday school class, and one of my assignments for my internship was to speak a message. It was my very first sermon to any group of people, and so uh, I, I was supposed to speak for 25 minutes, and I spoke for 45 minutes. <laughs> I was so nervous, I had overprepared, all I could remember was my pastor growing up, and all the outlines he had and the depth of, of preaching that he had, and so I got up there, and somewhere along the line, and some of you that are public speakers will recognize, I realized I had lost the crowd. It is the worst feeling in the world. And I'm like, oh, this isn't working. Nobody's laughing, nobody's smiling. Everybody wants to get out of here. I'm seeing people look at their watches. I'm starting to sweat and everything, and so when it was done, I like landed the plane hard and said, in Jesus' name, amen. And then it was over, uh, Pastor Mike, the youth pastor, came up, said a few things, and I walked back, and I'm walking to another room, and I'm like, I'm never going to speak again the rest of my life. I am just not going to do this. I was feeling horrible, right? And Mike comes up to me, Pastor Mike does, and he said, first of all, Nate, you are going to be a great speaker someday. He said, he said this, he said, you're trying to be somebody else. You're trying to be your pastor. You're trying to be me. He said, the best advice I can give you is you need to flow with how God wired you. He said, I'm gonna tell you something I've never told anybody else. He said, said, I think you need to preach more like you pray because when I've heard you pray, you get into a whole different mode when you're praying. So he said, why don't you start learning how to preach that way? And it was like he was pouring confidence back into me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So words have power. When people show honor to God's children, It has power, it unleashes confidence, and courage, and hope, and determination, and something happens inside of the other person. In fact, our words build the house that other people live in. Our words build the house other people live in. I want you to think about this, parents, your words build the house your kids will live in. People that you work with, a peer group that you have, you're you're building their future, if you will. It's a really important concept in the New Testament, so much so that in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. One version says, outdo each other in honoring people. In other words, make it a big deal to honor other people, to encourage other people. But friends, if we don't, I, I, I can guarantee you this, words will destroy people too. They'll have an impact where they'll go deep. That old phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, that's just not true. It's not true. It goes deep on the inside. And, you know, when I look at today's culture and I see what's happening in our communication, bullying that's been around for thousands of years has kind of morphed. It's gone exponential, if you will. There are now new tools to to bully people with and bullying is becoming a big, big epidemic in our society, both with adults, parents, but especially with the next generation and teenagers. The bullying that happens is kind of snide. It's, it's throwing a meme up about somebody and then everybody else weighs in on it. They make their comments, they like. That means everybody is, it's like crowd criticism. We're criticizing people with a crowd. That's what we do in social media when somebody makes a statement about this politician or that politician or that sport or that person or, the, or whatever individual that it is that you're criticizing. When you throw it out there, then you wait to see how many people like my comment, what? Because it backs me up. Well, what's it like to be the person on the other side of that comment? Now you're not just being critiqued by one individual, you're being critiqued by a whole bunch of other people. And it has a deep impact on a person's life, so much so that it's kind of gone, it's it's what I call verbal aggression, and it's out of control. People are throwing hate out on social media, and people are cutting on others that they've never met. And by the way, politics is not showing us how to handle this. And kids are learning how to dishonor from their parents' activity. They're learning how to dishonor. To dishonor is to treat as common, ordinary, to disrespect or show no value. The last time, the, the part one of this series, Pastor Andrew talked about honoring authorities and honoring people in government and civic authorities or honoring spiritual authorities, that kind of thing. And let me just caution you when it comes to how we honor when we dishonor people that we're not connected to, don't think it doesn't cost you if your kids are watching you and listening to you because how you treat other authorities is how they will treat you someday. You are teaching them how to handle authority. Dishonor is a big deal and we, if we aren't careful, we will begin to follow the way everyone is talking. So the question is, how can we be honorable in a dishonorable world? I want you to turn with me to James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, we're going to talk specifically about speech. But again, I want to remind you, speech is not just what comes out of your mouth. It's also what you post. It's the the impression you leave on people, what you write about, the things that you share, the things that you retweet, the things that you like, all those kind of things. In James chapter 3, They're talking to the church, and he's pretty blunt. If you read the letter of James, it's like straightforward talk. There's no gray area in this conversation, but this is what it says. Indeed, we all make mistakes. Amen to that, right? For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by what itself? hell itself. This is interesting because whatever we do with our communication, it is implying in this text that we can choose which direction we will go. It's a rudder where the pilot determines where you go. So whatever you're doing with your speech and your communication will determine whether or not you're honoring or if the boat is gonna dishonor. What direction are you going to go? There's a little, little turning that you have, a choice that you make. It's like a steering wheel that you have, and you determine if you're going to honor or if you're going to dishonor, and this is what it says. And if you're not careful, there's unbelievable damage that happens if you steer it in the wrong direction. Relationships are destroyed. People are hurt. In fact, I'm going to look at two areas of communication today real quick that the Bible says you need to be careful of or else you're gonna steer into damage and it will hurt you and your family and your relationships around you. The first one is this, gossip. It's funny how it gets really quiet when I just said gossip, I just let it stand. Because nobody wants to talk about it, but many of us fall into it. But listen, Paul, when he's talking to the church, he's afraid of the church becoming this, he says, For I'm afraid that when I I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. And I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. All of those things can't be found in the church. And he's saying, hey, listen, if I find this, I'm going to have to call it out. Proverbs 16 says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 11:13. a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Are you seeing where we're heading with this? Trustworthiness keeps a relationship strong. Can't keep a confidence, destroys the trust in a relationship. Proverbs 26, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers like charcoal or fire lights wood. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. That's true. Proverbs 20, verse 19. A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. That goes right along with Pastor Nate's proverb, which is friends are like elevators. They can take you up or take you down. So if you're hanging with those that are chattering, it can pull you into stuff that destroys your relationships. So how do you know if you're gossip or not? Lean into this one, you can take notes, right? It's gossip if the person you're speaking to is not part of the problem or a part of the solution. If you're sharing information about somebody and they can't, they're not a part of the problem, they're not a part of the solution, why are you doing it? Okay. It's gossip if you are listening to words about another and you're not a part of the problem or the solution. Did you know listening is included in gossip? Gossip divides and it's an attack on a family of God's unity. Gossip only prospers when it finds ears. I want you to think about this. With regard to things where we're talking about others that go into the territory of gossip, which is dishonor, is it possible that if you stop listening to it, it'll stop happening? If you stop liking it on Facebook, you'll stop seeing it on your timeline. If you stop sharing it on your snap story, come on, somebody. That maybe that people will stop their behavior. Some of you are like, what's snap? Snap face, snap. Listen, the second area that we're caution to in scripture when it comes to speech and it's a rudder, is judgment, judgment. In James chapter four, the next chapter of James, he says this, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? But how much of that makes its way into our communication? We involve ourselves in areas that we're not responsible for. And by the way, when we do that, we're determining someone else's value who is the image of God. Jesus stated that there's a direct link between our hearts and our words So if those words are coming out or we're hearing stuff and we've got a gossip issue where we've been judging, then we gotta look at our hearts because the heart is where everything starts. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Another version earlier said in verse 34, I think it's the English Standard Version, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks so if we are going to move and steer our ship toward honor we must look at our hearts what's going on and what's going into your heart will determine what comes out of your mouth if you want to change what you speak you got to change your heart first it starts in here and by the way that's why it's important to read the word of God come on somebody This is is really good stuff, right? This is not just information from history. This is about the right things going into your heart so the right things come out of your heart. In fact, Philippians chapter four, verse eight says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, When it comes to what you're thinking about, whatever you think about long enough becomes a part of your heart, the condition of your heart. So if you are consuming things that are impure, things that are not godly, things you would not want Jesus listening to or Jesus watching, if those are the things that are going in your ears, in your heart, watching through your phone, If that's consistently going in, it stands to reason that your heart begins to look like that. And it's not too long until pretty soon, the things that become flying out of your mouth are the result of what's been going in through your ears. So why can't we consider a different way than the world around us? When others point out the weaknesses of other people, what if we instead learn to think about what is true and honorable and pure? What if we notice the good in other people? It's too easy to cut people down. Maybe if you're watching all these viral videos on YouTube that are all funny and making fun of something else, or somebody else, then you become caustic and you notice what's wrong in other people. But if you cut that out and you begin to look at those things, build people up and see them in the image of God, now you notice what is good. You see what's good in other people. Some of us might be sitting in a sermon like this and you're like, Pastor Nate, would you just stop? You're going too hard into my heart. I'm feeling guilty about what I've said. I'm feeling guilty about what I post. I'm feeling guilty about those things. Listen, if your heart is off track, the Bible has a remedy. You bring your heart back to the Lord. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 141. He says take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. You bring that issue, you don't bury it. God sees it anyways. He sees everything. You take the covers off and you let him into your heart. You let him work through your heart. You let him establish a new culture in your soul so that good things will come out. And by the way, that includes learning to forgive others the way that Jesus has forgiven you. Forgiveness is a big part. You can't honor someone else and harbor unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will keep you from being honorable. Unforgiveness holds on it makes you the judge, and you're not the judge. Learning to forgive is a big part of that story. Now, all of this stuff, you're like, Pastor Nate, so you're talking about the brother, you're talking about how I speak, you're talking about my heart, so how does this all play out in everyday life? Well, this is the point at which I get to preach one of my lifetime messages, right? Because one of my lifetime's messages involves one verse. And I want you to take your Bibles out wherever you're at. Some of you, oh, you just go through the app or you go, you just want to see it on the screen. Mm, pull out a Bible if you can right now, even if it's electronic version. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this. Don't use foul or abusive language. That sounds pretty good, right? Let everything you say be good and helpful. The sum of what you say. No. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who agree with you. So your words will be an encouragement to those that are in your political party. Uh, To those that are in your echo chamber, all the people that agree with everything you think. no. It's so that your words will be an encouragement to those who what? Hear them. You have an audience. And it's not just one person. I keep going on the social media route because I feel like we got to get a hold of this in the church world, in our own hearts. I mean, how many times a day do you look at your phone? And how many things do you read? Read. And how many things randomly, absentmindedly are you listening to? And when you post, who's really listening to what you post? There's a lot of random people that don't know your background. They don't know the context of who you are and what you believe. So what you post, it better benefit those who listen. But when it comes to what we're doing, I like to say it's always time, not just in church, to benefit those who listen. To build people up. To be a positive communicator. To speak words of life over people. It's always, in a sense, 429. It's 429 when you're with a group of friends who are not Christians. It's 429. It's 429 when you roll out of the parking lot and you're mad and somebody cuts you off. It's 429 tomorrow morning when you have somebody else wake you up because you're running late. Stop talking to me you got your attitude. It's 429 when you haven't had your Snickers bar yet. Come on, somebody. It's always time to encourage other people, to lift them up, to build them up. It's always that time. It's always 429. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services and Wednesday prayer services live every week. Check out EmmanuelCC.org for details.